0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the healthcare provider. Happy hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today to chat with you a little bit about how we can guide our patients and ease them into empowerment. You know, I work on an inpatient unit in hospital and it doesn't take long for patients to lose a sense of themselves, to lose a sense of their independent identity um, just after being in the hospital system and the healthcare system for a few days. It really just doesn't take that long. And I'm talking about not just the physical part of things, I'm talking about um, just their their activities of daily living, for example, just their everyday basic needs that they have to depend on someone now that they have to, um, that they have to rely on time, for example, or medications that they never had to have before, things like that, that impact their overall day to day processes that are drastically different than what have what could have been just a few days before their admission, where they were completely independent doing things on their time. And it's a big jump. And I can only imagine how life altering that transition is. And as a therapist, you know, as a physiotherapist, one of my, one of my passions is to facilitate patient independence again. Because, I saw my dad, who was a very independent man, go through the healthcare system, losing independence day by day, especially in the earliest in the earlier stages of his um, of his chronic health journey. I saw him lose that, and I'm not saying that people took that away from him, but what I'm saying is that the healthcare system is the way it is, and um, when people are sick, when people have fallen ill we we need support and we as healthcare providers are there to provide that support and we have to start thinking bigger than just the physical support and the physical care and we have to start thinking about how that impacts our patients' well-being overall and what that really means for them and how they may be putting that together for themselves and how they might that might feel for them and so I'll never forget. And I wrote this story in my book in communication as care. When my dad was in the ICU, and he had a bowel movement, he was he was bedbound. And I really felt like, at the time, you know, he knew he had gone, but he didn't have the physical capacity or even the cognitive capacity at that time to help himself, right? To get up, to stand up with balance and to to go to the washroom. He didn't he was confused, he was delirious. So he didn't really have that capacity. But what he did know was that he had to go to the bathroom. What he did know was that he had to move his bowels. And so what I had did was I, I was there visiting him at the time and I had alerted the nurse because he didn't he didn't know to just press the call bell like that's that's how confused my dad was at that time and so i learned at the nurse and i said you know my dad's having a bowel movement he he's he's expressing discomfort like can we can we help him out can we can we help him get cleaned up and um and she had said well you know your dad's a two person assist i have to wait for my partner and so I I said, that was fine. So I went back sat with my dad tried to try to make him as comfortable as I could try to distract him. And um, it took a very long time for that second person to come back. Okay, a very long time. And in the ICU, you know, staff are kind of fortunate enough to have more one to one care. And, um, and so I went back onto the floor that that sat, there was there were two staff members, at least at that time. And uh, I was met with resistance when I requested help again. And it was a long time later, like it was a good half hour, 45 minutes later. And I couldn't believe that, that I was met with that kind of resistance. And I knew that that resistance was then going to be received by my dad, right? That's that was what I think hurt the most for me. And I remember feeling so indignified for my dad, because my dad was a very independent person prior to this. And if my dad could have helped himself, he would have trust me, is really what I wanted to say at the time. Um, Because I felt like we were burdening, right? I felt like I was burdening the staff when really we know that when someone is soiled that we know that the impact that that could have medically on someone's skin, for example, um, not only on their psychological well being, but also on their their physical well being as well. And um, I remember just feeling so indignified by the situation that I was in tears and left because I just couldn't see my dad um, go through that. And I work with nurses, okay, I work with nurses, and I work with wonderful nurses. And that witnessing that for me on the other side of the system, has only helped me to be a better clinician, I think, because it's it's helped me to better empathize, it's helped me to better understand. Um, and so when I hear complaints, let's say, um, being thrown at me, um, you know, I don't argue them, I don't argue a complaint when it comes from a patient, I just sit there and I listen. One of the biggest things that we can do is just listen and not try to justify every single thing, right? We can't always throw out that we're short staffed. Okay, patients know that they see that they read the news, they know that, okay. And I've said this in my book and communication is care, they they can sympathize with us. Okay, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day they are also able to express their frustration sometimes there is no solution in that sense but what we can do is come to a mutual understanding right so when it comes to patient empowerment uh really what it is is it's a process in which patients understand their role so the world health organization defines it at the as that and sometimes when a patient has is newly in the healthcare system, they don't yet know what that role is, they don't yet know that they can be an active participant, that they have influence over their care, that they can make decisions, they don't know that yet. And so to um, expect that, that, that they do is sometimes a little bit too premature on our part. And then, you know, to get frustrated by that is, um, is not really beneficial right? So sometimes, you know, a patient will say to me, well, how do you think that went? Because they have no idea how it should have went right, or how it could have went, or, you know, they want to know what I was expecting, because they don't know what to expect, because they had never been in this circumstance before. And they're, they're looking to me for my knowledge, okay, they're looking to me for my expertise, to help them perform in such a way that is, um, you know, at their level of function currently, and maybe where they could be from there, right, Where where they could go from there. So when a patient asks me that question, I think it's very insightful. Um, But sometimes I'll, so I'll answer it, usually I'll answer it, and then I'll ask them how they think that went. And we'll see if we're on the same page, right? Another thing too. another three powerful questions that I often ask during a a patient interaction, um, or session, let's say is I'll ask them, did that go better than what you expected? Did it go worse than what you expected? Or was this what you expected? And sometimes, you know, they'll just kind of tilt their head and they'll think about it. And really, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do as a clinician is guide my patients to develop a greater self-awareness, right, at this point and where they're at so that they can start becoming more of an active participant in their care, right? We can't, we can't expect them to, unless they really are aware of where they're at and how they're feeling and what their goals are and whether they trust the, the therapeutic rapport and whether they find safety in that. Only then can they start to um, unlock their potential and start taking control and responsibility over their plan of care moving forward. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. Um, so those are three powerful questions. I encourage you to use them, especially if someone is feeling a little bit like you know, vague or they're they're not really clear on you know where they're at or what they want, and they're they're looking to you for guidance. I just find that you can gently facilitate them in empowering themselves by asking those questions, uh, when when it's right to do so um, in their circumstance, and you'll know that when you're in it, uh, it'll just inevitably happen. So those three questions I find are really powerful. And I also find, you know, if a patient's asking you how things went that you can also then ask them how it went as well. And then what you'll find is that over time, if you have the opportunity to see them again on an ongoing basis, they'll start to share more, right? They'll start to share more they'll start to share uh, what they think they can do they'll start to share kind of where to go from here they're going to start to guide you a little bit more rather than to look to you constantly to guide them okay it's actually quite a remarkable thing when you see someone's independence start to unfold when you see someone start to ask questions when they start to really start thinking about um, their life outside of being unwell, okay, when they start to see themselves, um maybe home again, in my situation, and, and asking really good questions around that. And then part of empowerment is also as clinicians, making sure that our patients have the follow-up that they need to ease those transitions and, and giving them um, information on how to access services and to navigate the system, which is one of the biggest frustrations and and also reasons why patients kind of I, you know, we say fall through the cracks is because navigating the system sucks. So if we can actually help them to navigate the system, that's huge. So um, those are those are really big things. And recognizing that where a patient is is not where they once were. Please empathize that with people about how they were before this happened, ask them questions about their life, learn about their story. I'm telling you, these things are powerful in developing rapport, and also looking for solutions. Okay, solutions that would be safe, but also would mean something to them. Okay, and we don't know that until we ask, we don't know that until we know more about who they are as human beings and as as whole, as whole people. Okay, so if you're looking for for more ways to to communicate with patients, to create empowering experiences, to facilitate independence and function and recovery, I highly recommend you check out my book, Communication as Care, Nine Empowering Strategies to Guide Patient Healing. You can buy it anywhere. The Kindle is $2.99 um, or the ebook. Um, and the the paperback is $14.99. And so if you're or if you're not sure where to get it, you can reach out to me personally. And I'll be happy to facilitate you in accessing a copy. And if you just want to have a greater dialogue about this conversation, I would love to hear more from you. Like how do you ease your patients into empowerment? How do you help patients achieve more internal motivation or um, you know, seeing themselves well, when they've fallen unwell, unfortunately? How do you how do you restore dignity? How do you promote independence? These are things that we can't really say are so tangible, but they're, they're basically a part of what we we do every day as clinicians. And we don't realize the impact we're having not only in our words, but also in our actions, and also in our everyday energy that we're, we're sharing. Okay. So thank you for listening. I hope you stay well, and I hope you stay happy.